Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America located in Washington, D.C. provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. My voice has made a Geno Smith type of comeback. Back in February, <laughs> three kids under five. So they can do what they they can try whatever they want to do, but I will bounce back ultimately. Today, we're going to talk about Eagles Giants, some other divisional matchups. In a second, we're going to bring in Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. We'll also break down the DPOY race between Mike Parsons and Nick Bosa. But first, before we bring in Sam, Drew, I want to get your thoughts on what I think is probably the most controversial line of the season. I think last year it was uh, it was Brady's return to New England and everyone thinking that the Bucks minus six and a half, minus seven was a total lock against uh, the Patriots. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Vikings-Lions? Where the line now is Lions minus two and a half. And whatever you evaluate home field advantage as in the NFL, I haven't met a single person who values it above maximum two points. So whichever way you slice it, and I think it's probably closer to 1.5, 1.6 points, whatever way you slice it, the market is saying that the Detroit Lions, who are 5-7, and seven, are better than the Minnesota Vikings, who are 10-2. and two. Do you agree with that? Uh, I make them almost dead neutral. So I get why we're kind of here. Um, the interesting parts to this one for me were more, much more the market dynamic. Uh, this opened, non-trivial opener, uh, with the Vikings favorite, and it's flipped across favorite. So there's been uh, pretty heavy early influential money that's been one-sided in favor of the Lions here. Um, there's really not any injury news that is moving this other than the addition of Jamison Williams. Uh, J-Mo uh, maybe uh has an impact in this game, but I think you know the way that uh, Goff is operating with St. Brown and uh, and the running backs that they have, it, it is not I, you know it's not like they really need that, uh, and I don't know that he kind of fits as far as a piece to to really unlock and, and crack the Minnesota defense. The first time these two team, teams played earlier this season in Minnesota, um, you know Detroit got out to a pretty solid lead played from ahead uh, and let the Vikings in the back door there and ultimately win. Um, and, you know, it's that's characteristic of exactly what the Vikings have done all season. Like, they win ugly, they win one-score games, and while in one hand that's not sustainable, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, the Detroit defense can be had. So 
uh, with the, you know, with a healthy Jefferson and a healthy cook out there, Minnesota is going to be very live in this game. Um, the win probability shift from the early market makers was, you know, in the ballpark of 8%, which honestly is unheard of this time of season. Usually the, you know, without a key injury to the quarterback position, you're not going to see that type of shift uh, in terms of a single game win probability, because we know so much about these teams and the prices are really well, well defined. So uh, I would guess this probably closes at Pickham. I think there's going to be some buyback here on the Vikings. Um, but uh, to kind of go in and answer the beginning, you know, your first question, um, I have very, very narrow margin between these two teams. Yes, I think the two ways to look at it are, one, I mean, there is the thought that both of these defenses are bad and they're fairly close to being equally bad. And then on offense, when Detroit have been healthy, when they've had their receivers, when they've had their offensive line keeping Goff clean, and Goff has always been very solid when kept clean. But the Detroit offense has actually been more efficient than Minnesota's offense. And I think the thing is, is that Kirk Cousins just hasn't played that well this year, which is the sneaky thing about Minnesota. And then lastly, Detroit are two and five in one score games. Minnesota are nine and oh in one score games. Minnesota had just gone five and four and Detroit had gone four and three. Then the Lions would have a better record than the Vikings. So I think those are the things that are informing the market. Let's bring in Sam Monsone from PFF. You can follow Sam at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, just quickly, what are your thoughts on Vikings lines? Do you agree with the market that uh, the Lions are considered the better team on neutral field right now than the Vikings? No, not really. I think it's very close. So I, I kind of get why certainly that the line is is close rather than, you know, reflecting the records, obviously, and, and having Minnesota as a big favorite, particularly, though, when you stack it up next to last week when Jacksonville was considered a, a pretty, you know, a healthy enough favorite over Detroit and then connect that to the Minnesota thing. It's even tougher to buy. Um, I do think that, you know, the Vikings are probably a slightly better team than the Lions. I also think they match up reasonably well in a couple of different areas. You know, they have Patrick Peterson playing his best season at corner for years uh, on the defense. Their defense is inconsistent, but it's capable of showing up in key moments, third downs. You know, Zadarius Smith does his best damage rushing from an interior spot where the Lions have some weaknesses in that offensive line. So I think I like Minnesota to kind of take advantage a little bit of a couple of matchups and probably have a slight edge in my in my opinion. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And the other thing, I agree that Minnesota are the better team. And I think the reason why is that Kirk Cousins, he should get better as the season goes on. Like he hasn't played to his typical level, I think. And with TJ Hawkinson, that if you look at like how J Justin Jefferson's routes have routes have changed um, since Hawkinson has gotten there, I think that his average depth of target has gotten deeper. And I think that uh, that should change Minnesota's offense. But let's jump into Cleveland at Cincinnati, which is one of the most interesting and kind of difficult games to wrap one's head around uh, just because Sean Watson is such a wild card. Uh, the Bengals are minus six in this game. The look ahead was minus three and a half, minus four. And then after how good they looked against the Chiefs all around and how insipid Watson looked against the Texans, that line has jumped up. Sam, what do you make of this game and, and how do you kind of price or project the Sean Watson going forward? That part is really difficult because he looked really bad last week. I mean, there's no question that Jacoby Brissett would have been a much better option for them a week ago, but it was against the Texans. It doesn't matter. Like, who cares? You know, then the point is it's a long-term play. At some point, you expect Deshaun Watson to knock the rust off and overtake Jacoby Brissett in terms of what he's bringing to the table. 
What we don't have any idea, though, is how long that's going to take. You know, he's basically been out of the game for two straight years. The idea of there being some rust there, I think, makes a ton of sense. But is that something that lasts a week? Is that something that lasts a month? You know, I think this is sort of uncharted territory for how long it's going to take him to get up to speed and start playing like the guy we know he can play like. Um, almost all of his misses last week were, were short. He was like kind of opposite calibrated version of Cam Newton, who every time he missed would miss a yard above his receiver's head. Um, Watson was short on pretty much everything. It feels like something that should be a pretty quick fix. That's not going to take a month for him to remember how to, you know, throw an accurate football, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be one week and, and it's back this time. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Uh, and I think this matchup is going to – there's going to be some um, pretty interesting storylines that come out of this game one way or the other because everybody remembers the last head-to-head between these teams. It was uh, it was a Monday night football game in prime time. I lost my shirt in that game between the, uh, the, the props I played and uh, getting involved with Cincinnati at halftime. It was not good. Cincinnati just got completely manhandled in that one. And if uh, Cleveland can't put up a puncher's you know, fight here on the road – uh, after Jacoby Brissett completely, you know, you know, dominated this team, there's going to be some serious questions to ask about what, you know, what are we doing here in Cleveland? Are we really just punting on the rest of the season and just trying to, you know, use these games as an opportunity to get, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson some reps? I, I don't know that that makes a ton of sense, but uh, season's going to be over if they're not competitive in this one. Um, the Bengals, you know, huge, huge leverage in this game where a loss basically, you know, kind of moves them clearly into a wild card and out of the running for uh, an AFC North, but a win, you know, they, they are on track here to take down, uh, you know, or to take over the Ravens. If the, um, you know, the market is correct and the Ravens lose to the Steelers. Uh, what is your long-term outlook of this Bengals team? Uh, do you think that they are a realistic contender in an AFC? Do they belong even in the conversation with the likes of the chiefs and the bills? And uh, you know, do you think that there's any value in the futures market with these guys? The, the Bengals' schedule is fascinating. When you look at the teams, including Kansas City from a week ago, that they play on the run-in, I, when we make the playoffs, I don't think we're going to have a better handle on any team in the NFL than we will have on the Bengals just because of the teams they're going to have played in the last five, six weeks of the season. So to start that off with a big win against Kansas City, I think is a real statement that they're, they're a better team than they were a year ago when they made the Super Bowl, obviously overachieving to get there. But I think they have a chance to make, you know, a sequence of sort of statements and not just steal that division from Baltimore, but really put themselves in the discussion for that number one seed and potentially take that from Kansas City and Buffalo and become the team that is actually the front runner in the AFC, particularly if Joe Burrow continues to play the way he's playing. Losing Jamar Chase for a couple of weeks in a funny way, I think, was good for them because they kind of discovered that they're capable of winning in a few different ways rather than just lean on Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. They they realized that the T. Higgins thing does work as a number one option, even when um, Jamar Chase isn't there. They, they just sort of discovered uh, that they can still load up the run game and su- succeed that way. So I think the Bengals are one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL right now. And if they can survive – the Browns, who are a team that do give them problems every time they play, like they're in a really good position to, to chase that, uh, not just the division, but that number one seat. Do you think there is something there, Sam, with the matchup? Like generally with matchup trends, I throw them out because there's too much noise. Like I don't think that 
Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay and there's something in the coaching <laughs> matchup where Sean McVay just freaks out and just cannot beat Kyle Shanahan, given that, you know, the one time they met in the playoffs, Sean McVay did win. But is there something specific in this matchup? Is it just purely a Miles Garrett thing against that offensive line? Yeah, I, they've actually done a reasonable job against Miles Garrett the, the few times they've played. Because every time I go into the, this game, I think, man, Miles Garrett against Jonah Williams, like that's a recipe for disaster. It's going to be the thing that determines the game. And it never does. Like every time they play, Miles Garrett's kept relatively quiet. Jonah Williams doesn't have a terrible game. They don't even do anything dramatic to kind of give him over the top help. It just, it isn't the factor I keep expecting it to be every week. So, no, I'm kind of with you. I think this probably is just noise, and I, I don't see it an, an obvious reason why, you know, the Browns would do unusually well against Cincinnati. Yeah, yep. no, I agree with all that. Can I ask you about uh, Jags Titans here? We got uh, an interesting market move lately, as you see a lot of Titans money hitting the board because Doug Peterson has said no Trevor Lawrence in practice, uh, and his status for Sunday is up in the air now. Um, this makes it a very tough handicap. Do you have a, a general read on whether or not we'll see Lawrence? And if no Lawrence, if it's the CJ Beathard show, um, do the you know Jags have a, a puncher's chance here, or is this the Titans' opportunity to lock up the AFC South? I mean, first of all, I couldn't believe he came back in the game last week. Like when they were showing the slow-mo replays of that knee injury, that looked like a season ender or at least something that was going to keep him out for an extended period of time. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, the scans have been fine. Lawrence is back in the game and not just back in the game, but like scrambling for, you know, significant yardage on first down or whatever. He looked fine. So it's, it's kind of weird to see him all of a sudden pop back up and it be a question, but I, I, you know, I can buy that from seeing experience of sort of guys that have been able to play through knee injuries. And then once it swells up or flares up later in the day, that's when it becomes an issue. And actually playing on during the injury maybe exacerbated the whole thing and made it a bit worse. So it definitely wouldn't shock me if Trevor Lawrence was missing from seeing that injury and seeing what it was at the time. Um, if he is down, I would say like this is Tennessee's opportunity to get back on track and you know, really look good against the Jacksonville team. It's kind of been losing its way lately, even with Trevor Lawrence looking like he might have turned a corner. Yeah, on that, like, firstly, seeing that injury in real time, I would have priced the over-under for when Trevor Lawrence next sees the NFL field as 2024. Because <laughs> it seemed like getting injured this late in the season with how that looked. But the thing with the Jags, Sam, is there anything the Jags do well? Is there any kind of area <laughs> that they're above average in? Because I can't locate it. They actually have a pretty good pass blocking grade. That's I, I do the offensive line rankings at PFF every week, and they're one of the most one-dimensional lines in the NFL. They, they're terrible at run blocking and pretty good at pass blocking. That's about it, though. Yeah, yeah. you could ask the same about the Titans, though, I think. <laughs> what do they do well? One uh, defense. Yeah. One defense, run, that's, yeah, uh, that's fair. about it. That's fair. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Let's move off that game uh, because there's not too much going on in Jags-Titans. <laughs> Eagles at Giants. The Eagles are seven-point favorites there in New Jersey. The line opened six and a half, quickly moved up to seven. The total's 44 and a half. Sam, is there any hope for the New York Giants? I think the book is kind of out on them that they were getting uh, unsustainably lucky in close games against bad teams. And the Eagles right now, do you think that they're the clear best team in the NFC or do you think it's kind of bunched with the Cowboys? I think they're the clear best, and certainly I think they're the team that has the easiest ceiling to hit. You know, when they play well, I don't think 
there, there's anybody else that can live with them. They're too complete. They're, they can win in too many different ways. Dallas Goddard, I thought the injury to him might have caused him some problems, and they seem to have adjusted to not having that kind of third option in the offense. They, they figured out ways around that. So at, at that point, I think they're too much better than anybody else. Dallas definitely has the ability to, to rival them and get in that kind of ballpark. Um, but I think it's so much driven off that defense right now that if you come up against a team like Philadelphia, for example, with a good offensive line that actually has a shot at slowing down that pass rush, I, I don't think Dallas has as many plan B, plan C the, the way that Philadelphia does. Um, yeah, as for the Giants, it's like the only way they have a shot in this game, I think, is to you know, dial up the blitzes the way Wink Martindale does and kind of get lucky on a couple of key times, you know, force a turnover, overload a protection, do that kind of thing, and just just get a couple of plays that aren't really in the game script and, and flip things that way. Yeah, yeah. this is a weird one, too, because uh, it feels like to a degree, seven's not a big enough number. Um, but at the same time, a divisional matchup like this and the familiarity, uh, you know, should at least in some way, shape or form, um, you know, help keep this game competitive. Uh, interesting also kind of narrative wise, you know, Philly played the perfect game last week. Like they were absolutely superlative. Hertz was completely, um, you know, ab- you know, in the zone. Uh, and it's tough for teams even, you know, who are having great success, who have, you know, two game lead now in the division, you know, getting up for a game like this when, you know, you're, you've done it so many weeks in a row becomes challenging. Uh, New York is a tough place to play. Like, I think you're going to have to find some sort of X factor to bet this one either way. And I'm inclined to take the points with the giants here just because they are divisional dogs. And uh, you know, to a degree they are getting healthier, particularly on the offensive line and in the secondary. So maybe we get a competitive one here. Maybe it's a low scoring affair. We have a total that's 44 and a half, which feels high for a giants game, (laughs) frankly. Uh, But uh, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful we get a, an entertaining one here. Um, Jay, are you going to play uh, Giants plus seven, or are you well off this one? Uh, I would stay steer clear of Giants plus seven. I might skew Eagles if forced, but I think the line is right. It would have bet Eagles minus six and a half. That was the line, I think, to get on. I think Sam raised a good point around like the Giants, they're blitzing. It does give them more variance week to week just because of you know the individual plays that it can trigger. I think if they were a more conservative defense, I'd like them less in this matchup. And then just quickly, on the Eagles vis-a-vis the Cowboys, I think a way to think about how you stack up those teams is I think the Eagles are better at every single positional group outside of edge rusher and running back. And then quarterback, I think, is probably a wash at this point between Hertz and Dak. I think Hertz probably has a better context. But if you are making the case for the Cowboys over the Eagles, I think that would be just the one refrain that the Eagles are just they're just more complete. They have more depth. Uh, and more, I think, high-end talent across the board. But uh, before we get into DPOY and O'Roy, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. You have a shot to win $100,000 this weekend by guessing the outcome between the Dolphins and Chargers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. All right, before we let you go, Sam, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of awards. Start off with Defensive Player of the Year, which is always a very subjective award and kind of fraught with peril. But Micah Parsons has been the heavy <laughs> favorite uh, for a long time. He's kind of been anointed. He's definitely the people's choice, uh, especially after he narrowly lost last year. He is a heavy minus 375 favorite on points bet. And then Nick Bosa is the challenger. Do you have a, a lean head-to-head between these two? Do you think it's just kind of done and Parsons is the guy, or do you think the Bosa has a legitimate shot? Yeah, I do think it's kind of been Micah Parsons, you know, from the outset, the first couple of weeks when it became clear that they they were just going to make him an edge rusher, turn him loose, and let let that do what it does. I, I think it's probably been kind of his to, to, uh, to, lo- <clears throat> to lose at that point. The other interesting thing about Parsons is he does not come out of games. <laughs> they are winning by blowout scores and Parsons is still in there late in the fourth quarter trying to rack up some more, you know, defensive player of the year points and and stats and plays. So I think they're going to kind of help him win this award. And it's going to take something pretty special from Bosa down the stretch to take that away from him. Yeah, I think with Bosa that for him to win, he needs to lap Parsons because if it's close, then it's just going to go to Parsons. So Bosa probably 
He probably needs to get to 22 and a half sacks and tie the sack record to win, I think, which he's only eight sacks away in five games. So maybe that's in play. But Drew, do you think there's any value on Bosa at this point? Yeah, I do. And in particular, because if it's if people are remembering sort of the high profile plays that Bosa had like last week um, and kind of down the stretch and the Niners win their division and get a higher seed than the Cowboys, um, people will kind of use that as a tiebreaker, I think. Uh, and, the, and the fact the Jimmy yeah. G injury, the fact Jimmy, that all yeah, of a sudden, sure. like the defense is going to give get, be given yes. credit for carrying this team down the stretch if it happens, and that yeah. will be Nick Bosa. Yeah, and there's a lot of other players on the Cowboys defense that I don't love. Um, and if the defense itself just kind of slides statistically, uh, and just you know, and, and, and that's going to be tough considering they play the Texans, the Jags, <laughs> and the Titans coming to, and the Commanders coming down the home stretch here. But let's just say for hypothetical purposes that the defense overall kind of slides more into the top ten range instead of the top two range. Uh, I could see uh, people making the case for Bosa, but uh, plus one forty. Uh, you know, people who are long-term listeners of the show know that there were much better prices available earlier this season that you should already have in pocket. So I don't think I would bet plus 140. <laughs> no, I wouldn't bet plus 140 either. If you can get plus 250, though, I think that's probably a bet. I think he's about plus 250 to tie or break the sack record at that point. And at that point, he probably just wins. Let's talk about offensive rookie of the year to close out. Ken Walker is still the favorite at plus 175. I don't agree with that. Garrett Wilson is plus 250 in the second favorite. Also don't agree with that for the other reason. And then Christian Watson is third, plus 375. I'd need 20 to 1 to back him. Then it's Olave, Robinson, Pickett. Sam, my read on this market is that Garrett Wilson should be the favorite because basically when Zach Wilson hasn't been his quarterback, Garrett Wilson is averaging over 11 targets per game. He's 94 yards a game, four touchdowns in five games. Hit 15 targets last week against the Vikings. 8 for 162 and left an 80-yard touchdown bomb on the table. Do you agree that Garrett Wilson should be favored, or do you think there's another guy who can emerge? Yeah, it's tough because the two guys, I think, that that should be favorites if they'd had a sort of full season of, of all things being equal would be Garrett Wilson and, and Christian Watson. Um, Watson's numbers have obviously exploded and the, all the crazy touchdowns. But Watson missed a bunch of time. He didn't uh, play well earlier in the season. And as you said, Garrett Wilson was just hamstrung by having Zach Wilson as his quarterback. Like if you extrapolate his numbers out over 17 games, he basically has the same season as Jamar Chase did a year ago. And we're talking about one of the greatest rookie seasons ever. That's the kind of pace Zach Wilson is on, not just with Mike White, but with Flacco as well. Like just anybody that isn't Zach Wilson, he's putting up those kind of numbers. So I think he's probably performing the best of all the rookies. And if he has enough down down the stretch, you know, if, if there's enough uh, games with Mike White, at quarterback, and of course, if Mike White doesn't turn into a pumpkin, then I think he probably should be the favorite. I think there's some potential of pumpkin Mike White even helping him because they would be in negative game states where they got to air it out true, regardless. True. Um, you know, he can still rack up uh, rack up yardage. I think Garrett Wilson is probably going to finish in the top 10 across all receivers in the NFL in terms of yardage this year, which is truly amazing. He is the bet as uh, as laid out uh, very eloquently, I think, by Jay. Let's uh, I, I mean, of all of the awards, Jay, is there a better bet to be made right now than Garrett Wilson rookie of the year? No, I think that's the best one. Honestly, like Geno Smith, minus 700, comeback player of the year. I feel like that should be minus 20,000. I think that's just done. Uh, and Sam, I remember one of your tweets where you mentioned it is a weird thing with Geno where it's like, what's he coming back from? Right. Uh, because, But my thing there is like, 
he's coming back from the dead. Uh, he's coming back from total <laughs> irrelevance, and now he's among the living, and uh, he's thriving. So, and I think the people have just made up, made their minds up that he is eligible for the award, yeah. and thus yeah. he probably just wins. But yeah, I think Garrett Wilson is is the best bet on the board. I think America has just decided that Chris Olave and Damian Pierce are ineligible for this award because of their teams. There's just too much of a stench. So. I think Garrett Wilson plus 250 is a great bet. I think it should be more like plus 130. Uh, And uh, and yeah, and the Jets, people just want to reward the Jets uh, at this point. Uh, And I think that just the vibes around that team, the fact that they're seven and five, even in their losses, like against the Vikings, still feels like they're creating positive momentum for these types of awards. And they're in New York. And they're in New York, which, uh, which always helps. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Can you let us know where to find your content? Yeah, pff.com, the uh, the PFF app, uh, and me on Twitter there under uh, PFF underscore Sam. Awesome. Thanks very much, Sam, for your time, and uh, look forward to having you on again soon. All right. Before we get into the World Cup, download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Drew, a little soccer ball talk to yeah. close out. <laughs> Pivot to the round ball, uh, even though there's no games on at the moment. But, uh, what's your read on the quarterfinals? Any prices, any games that you're particularly uh, honing in on? Well, I mean, uh, we have three lopsided to qualify us here. Argentina, Brazil, and Portugal. The market is basically telling you those three teams are going through. Um, I don't have huge objection to those because, you know, pretty clearly the Netherlands, Croatia, and England, I mean, it's Netherlands, Croatia, and Morocco are, you know, they're, they're you know, a little bit lucky to be here. Um, all that said, uh, the quarterfinals of this tournament, to me, look a lot more competitive than the round knockout round of 16. Um, this is going to probably be all, you know, more opportunities for shootouts. We only had two of the uh, eight games in the round of 16 get to shootouts. I think realistically you could see two of these four get to shootouts uh, and the prices don't really reflect uh, how, you know, just in general, like how closely, um, you know, contested these could end up becoming. So I think I'm going to take, uh, t- you know, the, a, a number of uh, these looks uh, to advance via um, penalty kicks. Now, what's kind of cool is even when you have a mismatch between teams like the Netherlands and Argentina, if they get to penalty kicks, there's not going to be, uh, you know, just a huge you know difference in price in terms of um, you know, who, who wins those penalty kicks. So you can take a long, you know, the long shot like Netherlands to advance via penalty kicks uh, and then potentially get, uh, you know, a better price on just Argentina to advance if we get to extra time or something like that. So there's going to be some interesting and kind of fun in-game trading ways if you're going to watch these matches, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to get involved uh, in just in the two advance market. But uh, as I look at everything, uh, the method of advancing price for advancing via penalty kicks looks like the angle of attack in a lot of these matches that are expected to be lopsided. France, England, I know you have an opinion. Uh, I can't make much sense of that one. Uh, where, uh, where are you leaning there? Yeah, I think to me, my biggest lean, I guess, is that France, England, and Netherlands, Argentina are both going to be ugly, low-scoring games where I think that Southgate has shown time and time again that he's going to be defensive. He's probably going to revert back to playing three at the back which is effectively for him five at the back and bring in Kieran Trippier to defend or help Kyle Walker defend move Kyle Walker into right center back 
uh, and just go ultra defensive to kind of contain Mbappe and then try and score one on the break. And then Argentina and Netherlands. The Netherlands, they're just very well organized defensively. And Argentina, like, I think the perception of Argentina, because they have Messi and Di Maria, is that they're this kind of finesse team. Like, no, Argentina are really tough and they're very, very good defensively. I think that's going to be a very, very chippy game uh, and one that perhaps goes the distance as well. My best bet on the board, and it kills me because I'm already on this, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it feels like it's gotten longer, but I still think it's, I think it's actually got shorter and is even more of a bet now. But Messi is plus 400 to win the golden ball. Mbappe is plus 125. I just can't have it because if you just multiply England's price to advance and Argentina's price to advance – then that's a lot shorter than plus 400. And then at that point, I think Messi is extremely short to win. I don't think Mbappe can win the golden ball if he doesn't make the semifinal. Like, I don't think there's any precedent for that. Mbappe has to win. I think if Mbappe beats England, then he's, pro- he's probably just going to win uh, without reaching the final. But I do think that Messi plus 400, I still think there is some meat on the bone there. But I'm not going to back it because I'm already heavily invested in Lionel. But uh, what's your read on, on Golden Ball? Where Mbappe's plus 125, as you can see on screen, uh, Messi plus 400, and then uh, three of the Brazilians, Neymar, Vinicius, and Richarlison, all 16 to 1 with Bruno Fernandes and Jude Bellingham. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a sentimental award in a lot of ways. Um, Mbappe is almost certainly going to get the golden boot. Um, there could be some incentive there for the voters then to reward someone else uh, for most outstanding player. And, you know, just in general, if Argentina, yeah, I mean, basically just if Argentina gets into the mix, uh, you know, gets into the final, then I think Messi's probably your guy. But, uh, you know, it feels very much like we're on a collision course here for Brazil, France. And if it, if that is your final, I mean, I really just don't know how you don't give it to Mbappe. He's been too yeah, freaking good. In that situation, yeah. <laughs> If Mbappe makes the final, he almost can't lose the award. Yeah, so I think, yeah. honestly, I think Mbappe is probably a bet at plus 125. And I think Messi is a bet at plus 400. Because to me, what shapes this market is that the Brazilians, like who are the favorites to win the tournament, I don't think anyone from Brazil is winning this award because Neymar got injured and missed two games and hasn't been as prolific. So I don't think they're going to give yeah. it to Vinicius or Charleston. They're probably not going to give it to Neymar missing time. So I think you've just back Mbappe and Messi. You hope one of them reaches the final, in which case it's pretty much automatic one of them will win. And then there's also a good chance that one of them can win it having gone out in the same. So that would be my look there. Um, yeah, no, that that's a fun uh, that, that's a fun angle of attack. I hadn't really even thought of that, but uh, this does feel like a two-man award. Uh, Vinny Jr., he's been good. But uh, not consistent enough, I don't think. And, you know, it's, you're, you're, gonna, you're asking a lot for him to raise his level beyond what we've already seen in this one. So uh, I think that's, that's the right strategy. Yep. Okay, before we go, last question for you, Drew, on the NBA from a viewer. Oh, gosh. Tonight, Mr. I, have, I have a lot. I bet a lot wow. in the NBA tonight. And, I, and what's weird is I've been, I've been kind of lightly – I've been playing the NBA pretty lightly all season, and I've been losing. Uh, October and November were both losing months. December so far, I am break even. Um, but I like, uh, in in no particular order, I like the Orlando Magic getting seven against the Clippers. Um, I laid the nine with the Toronto Raptors against the Lakers. Uh, getting a very good belly laugh out of everyone kind of talking themselves into the Lakers being back 
given that they're like the 11th seed in the West, people are talking about them like they're all of a sudden in the mix for a championship. I find that hilarious. Um, I laid the four and a half with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I don't know how much more money I can lose on that team, but I'm trying. Um, I took the I took the seven points with the Sacramento Kings against the Bucks. Um, and there's one more that I'm missing. Oh, I laid the seven and a half with Utah against the no the no Golden State Warriors. Yep. My favorite one there, and I hate to say it, and I hate to even say this team's name aloud because they're at Voldemort level now, but I like the Timberwolves <laughs> minus four and a half. Um, Tyrese Halliburton questionable yeah. for that game. Uh, I think that yeah, I can't talk positive about the Timberwolves, but I do think their team kind of makes a bit more sense without Carl Towns. Like he, him being out definitely hurts, but I don't think mm-hmm. it hurts as much perhaps as the market is saying because you should be getting a better version of Gobert when yep. they're just playing drop all the time and they know they actually know what they're doing all right good show today drew don't forget to check out nbcsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks everyone watching on the nbc sports youtube channel and if you're listening to us in podcast form don't forget to subscribe and rate us from jay croucher and drew dinsick we'll see you soon Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.